Welcome to another episode of Current Insights, a production of RMLD, where we sit down with experts behind the scenes and partners to gain insights on how they work and how they help us deliver reliable, low-cost, non-carbon energy to our customers. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Johnny DeWong. Johnny DeWong is a system engineer at RMLD. He plays a crucial role in ensuring, ensuring both the reliability and the efficient use of our electrical service system as we support our over 32,000 meters. So, Johnny, good morning. Good morning, Greg. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, we always start on these little informal sessions, you know, a little bit about yourself. Who are you? How'd you get to be with RMLD? Um, and just a quick summary of your primary responsibilities. Sure. Uh, well, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I would say who I am would be <laughs> a system engineer a system engineer at RMLD. Um, uh, some of the primary responsibilities that the engineers have, uh, we are involved in many of the front and back facing services uh, for our customers in our service territory, uh, which is just a very formal way of saying the en engineers have a wide range of responsibilities. Absolutely. Yeah, we address any and all inquiries that consumers in our service territory may have surrounding their electric service, um, from, from placement of their house service drop to flickering lights, part power, energizing and de-energizing of their new or old service, uh, just to name a few. Um, but we make time to meet with our customers to provide these answers yeah. throughout our work week, um, in person or via phone call. Um, we do our best to work with the customers within our limitations. Yep. Um, and as an engineer, we are also involved in the stocking of many of the main components of our electrical distribution system, uh, such as overhead and underground cables and conductors, transformers, switches, lightning arresters, cutouts, and fuses. Uh, and the list goes on. It's a long list. It definitely is. But we essentially oversee the technical specification of these components. Uh, just to ensure that they adequately fit our system and their intended application. Uh, we often stick with the tried and true pieces, um, but we do our best to stay up to date with yeah. new products, which can solve old problems yep. that we may be having. But to simply summarize that all up, I would have to say as an engineer for RMLD, our primary responsibility would be to ensure the reliability of our entire electric distribution system. Perfect. Well, that's good. Reliability being first and foremost. And Johnny, you mentioned you know, dealing with the customers, but in addition to the customers um, and making the connection from our distribution network into their buildings, homes, businesses, commercial entities, um, you guys also have the responsibility for managing and designing and maintaining or specifying the maintenance of the actual distribution network. Um, just, you know, kind of walk us through what are some of the key pieces of that distribution network? Uh, well, so... Things that customers might see, and, and we'll talk in more details here in a few minutes, but... Yeah, so we have a lot of... So to maintain our system reliability, um, I guess some of the key pieces would be that on the consumer side would be transformers. Yep. And uh, one of our programs that we have in place, that our, our transformer inspection program that we do conduct annually, where we're essentially checking a large amount of transformers for any signs of eminent failure, any, any issues that it may have, and schedule them for replacement before they... Before uh, end of life. Before they fail unexpectedly. 
essentially. What's the average life of a transformer, Johnny? Typical. Uh, Range. If it's perfectly fine, a transformer will keep going for 30 plus years. 30 plus years. Yeah. But nowadays we're seeing like certain transformers are leaking more than normal. So we have to figure out how to stop that leak or go back to the manufacturer to see what's going on. Um, but we try to find those transformers quickly and, yep. and solve the problem. the problem so they don't become bigger problems later down the line. You know, these podcasts are heard by a variety of different people. And, you know, for the residential customer, you know, describe a, you know, a, 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 a transformer that they would see. And then, you know, we have some of the industrial and commercial customers. But what a transformer that they would see, what would it look like? I mean, just, you know, where would they see it? What color would it be? Uh, for what, is, what is a transformer? Not, not the engineering, but just what's it look like? Uh, well, transformers that are on poles would typically be round. Yep. Um, they're usually white in color, cylindrical. Uh, canister kind of thing. Canister, yeah. essentially. Um, uh, for most underground transformers, we utilize what we call pad-mounted transformers, which it's not very... <laughs> big green box. Big green box, and it, they're mounted to a pad, so it's... Pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah, transformers. We, yeah, we call it like we see it. That's um, good. That's good. But it, it is essentially a big green box that sits on the ground and cables come up into it underground. So the other, you know, kind of talking about, so transformers is one key piece that whether it's an industrial or consumer, residential customer, at some point along the line, they're connected to one of those, right? Absolutely. And part of, you know, part of that communication, you know, part of that connection is whether they're 120 volts or 480 or whatever the voltage might be. But, um, you know, the other two, the other key pieces they might see are obviously utility poles, right, or underground conduits, and then obviously the cables. So, you know, when you, when you think about um, servicing a, an existing customer or, you know, a new customer or a customer that's upgrading, you know, what are some of the key considerations and things that you guys think about from an electrical engineering perspective? in terms of planning the service upgrade for electrical system and how do these upgrades contribute or improve system performance and safety as well as solving the customers. So kind of thinking about things you guys think about. Yeah, yeah. our first considerations would be how much load is this person trying to connect. Yep. Um, as this answer, it will essentially drive the next few dominoes. Yeah. Uh, so we have to look into the capacitor limits of the individual circuit that mm -hmm. they are connecting to, into. Uh, for on the residential side, we are looking at mostly service main upgrades from 100 to 200 amps, and in certain areas, 400 amps. But residentially, anything higher than 400 amps are really special cases, and we we take a look at that more with more scrutiny. Yep. <laughs> Uh, 400 amps for a residential home is a lot of, that's a lot of power. Yep. Uh, well, we're seeing it more and more with these bigger and bigger, bigger homes. homes. Yep. So it's not out of the ordinary anymore, yeah. but uh, and we might see them get even larger as the years come by. But, uh, but each of these upgrades will need to be brought to the engineering right. team for analysis. Yep. Um, we investigate the limits of the existing facilities and make determinations of any required upgrades necessary to provide the reliable power to that customer. Um, these limits include and range from the conductor size, mm -hmm. the service length, for voltage drop calculations, 
electrical co code compliance, transformer loading. Um, so, so if upgrades are necessary for an overhead service, for example, evaluation of the existing phys physical pole comes yeah. into play as well. Yeah. Uh, we have to ask, is, is it able to accommodate the upgrades or will we need to replace it? Or will additional poles be required? Um, these are just some of the questions and, and following considerations we must answer before given our approval. Yeah, so it's, it's much more involved than just taking an extension cord or a service cord and plugging it into the wall, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we you know, our, our responsibility, right, and, you know, you and the rest of the engineering team, how do we make sure that there's always enough power coming out of that plug? Or in the case of industrial, right, it could be a, a you know, a twist locker, you know. Any, there are a whole bunch of different plug types, obviously, but most customers are familiar with the simple, uh, you know, the simple 110, either 15 or 20 amps. Right, and to elaborate a little bit more on that, yeah. As more of these services are being upgraded and the demand for electricity rises in, in the coming years, um, we're just, we're just going to have to be more vigilant in monitoring transformer loading to ensure that we keep the reliability up. So transformer sounds like that's one of the key places that you guys spend a lot of time in terms of doing the analysis. And I think you mentioned in passing, you know, poles and pole replacements. Um, besides aging, right, you put larger transformers on poles um, or more conductors on poles that might require a pole upgrade, a taller pole, a, a higher class pole, for example. Um, in terms of cabling, though, uh, cabling, you guys probably anticipate, cabling's don't, aren't, aren't really typically the limit, limitation, right? I mean, that's a question, not a statement. Uh, typically not, uh, but if we're upgrading an old 5 kV, kV area where it right. has old conductor where it's number six copper or something and we're looking to increase the voltage. And, num that, and number six copper is like a quarter inch diameter just for people to get a sense maybe uh, roughly. Or it's maybe it's a, very very thin uh, oh. it, it, I would say yeah about a quarter inch. Yeah. Okay. So, um, go ahead. Can I just ask a question? Yeah. So do you ever run into like a circumstance where people might do their own electrical work without a permit and kind of overload <laughs> Overload. Right? Uh, not typically on on For residential. We don't typically see an overload uh, where a, where a customer would overload and not have a permit and just do it themselves. It's um, it would be very rare if it happened, and uh, typically the culprit would have to pretty much know the electrical system <laughs> and how and how to circumvent right. everything. Right. Uh, but, right. but I think people do try to install their own, um, like, EV chargers and stuff. So I would think that it could get... Yeah, uh, if they do happen to overload the transformer, um, we, there are, the transformer is, there's a fuse for that transformer. So very much like your house, if, mm -hmm. if it becomes overloaded for any reason, it, it's going to uh, open and will be called out <laughs> to the location and uh, we can see all that data after the fact. We're, we're going to talk a little bit more about, that's a great question, Julie. We're going to talk a little more about you know, EVs in particular. Um, but you know, one of the things you mentioned, Johnny, was the first thing you guys look at is what's the load that somebody's trying to connect, right? And our, <clears throat> our intention as a, as a light plant is to provide whatever power they need, right? Correct. And so we have to look and say, you know, what, what is required? So it sounds like the first thing, you know, we have this thing called the load, the electrical load data sheet. Um, just talk a little bit about why that's important. You started, you kind of got us off the path, but 
you know, what important things do you look at? And what, what do you expect the customers to do when they do a load data sheet form? Yeah, uh, so the load data sheet is effectively a form that the electrician or the consumer fills out to let us know exactly what they're looking to in connect. Or, or best estimate, right? I mean, or their much, best estimate. As much as they can, right. Right. Uh, it's usually filled up by a elect licensed electrician, mm -hmm. uh, and they yep. sign off on it so that we know it. they're not just... Estimating. Est yeah, they're Guess, not just... Guesstimating. They're, they're not just throwing out a number <clears throat> yeah. without any <clears throat> knowledge. So, and we and we take we take that information and essentially we build our design towards that load that they're looking to connect. If they're if they are putting in something that doesn't require any upgrades, then we we pass it right along. But we yep. keep that in, on file to let them know, hey, this is what you asked for, and this is what we supplied, and this is what it's built built to be. Should they need a bigger service at that point, then they would have to, we would have to revisit uh, step one with the load data sheet and, yeah. uh, and move on from there. Um, you know, when you think about that load data sheet, and we'll talk a little bit later, but just initially, you know, you guys try and design in a buffer, right? In terms of, you know, nobody's perfectly, no, they don't know what the load is going to be exactly, right? And it changes all the time depending upon what's plugged into it. And, you know, Julie knows this, right? You know, from a residential perspective, Right? Am I running all my appliances at the same time, doing dinner at the same time, kids are playing with video games, you know, um, somebody's out in the garage doing, you know, buffing the car, whatever it might Tinkering. be. Tinkering. Tinkering, yeah, okay, there you go. But, um, you know, we try and design a, some sort of a buffer. So, you know, can maybe think about it from a network perspective or maybe a transformer perspective. But, you know, if the load is meant to be, you know, 100, 100 kW kilowatts, you know, what? how do we think about that? Do we try and design our system to handle 120, or how do we think about those kind of things, just kind of broadly? So it really depends on who's applying, whether it's residential or commercial. Good point. So that's the, yep. one of the first things we have to consider. Um, in a residential setting, when whenever that load data sheet gets filled out, it's typically the total KW that they're filling out is the culmination of everything being turned on. Um, it's not very likely that the AC is going on while the heat's going. If it's electric heat, typically not. <laughs> typically not. Uh, you're not running the washer dryer and everything all at the same time, along with the heater and the, so so we we do see what the total connected load is going to be. And as the, as an engineer, we make the analysis. We do conduct the analysis and and using past yeah. past practice yeah. and and real and, data and, and real data, yeah. we we can and typically. We actually can see what the consumer load is throughout the day. Uh, we will know to plan for what is the best worst case scenario. But in terms of when we size a transformer for that residential customer, is because they ask, because they put down 100 kW, we're not putting in a 100 kVA transformer for them. Right. It is, it's not going to be that high. Well, that's, I think that's part of the analysis you guys do as engineers, right? So you're, you mentioned we specify equipment, et cetera, but part of it goes back to this load data sheet. And, um, you know, one of the things we do with the meter data, right, it's not just for billing. It's for load estimates and load calculations and transformer loading, et cetera. So that, those meters have a lot of purposes besides just billing. Um, so, that you know, Julie mentioned a question earlier about uh, EVs as, as, an, as an example. And, uh, you know, 
most of our, I shouldn't say most, we want our customers to know that we are very supportive. But just talk a little bit about, um, you know, with the rise of, the rise, we'll say, the, the increased interest in electric vehicles in our territory um, and the continued focus on sustainability and being non-carbon. You know, what kind of things, you know, how, from your perspective, what are we doing at RMLD to support the EV infrastructure, right? And, and doing so in a way that helps us to keep our rates low and also to be compliant or, you know, green, right? the green energy piece. So, you know, what, how do you kind of think about that? Some of the things that you guys are doing on the engineering side to allow us to support that growth and also maintain reliability. Yeah. Yeah. So the adoption of EVs is increasing nationally. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, and the consumer adoption of EVs is no different within the RMLD territory. Yeah, good. So, yeah. so we are being mindful of these, these increases and, especially this increase in demand by the usage of these EV charging uh, stations, Yeah. Uh, whether they be in home or in public. Yep. So, and how they ultimately will impact our system reliability. Um, currently, uh, I would say the RMLD is typically notified when a residential EV is being, or EV charger is being installed. Oh, yep. And Partially because we have a rebate tied to it. So there's motivate, you know, we, we encourage them to let us know and, yeah, there's typically an incentive yep. <laughs> to yeah, do incentive. so. Yep, exactly right. Um, so when, when, whenever these applications are submitted to the RMLD, uh, an, engineer, an engineer will be assigned to assess that application, yep. and, and it goes through the typical analysis process. Um, same thing with transformer size, but can it handle it, can it not? Always back to load, right? Always back to the load. Um, so in, in terms of what the RMLD have been what the RMLD has been doing. Uh, we're also working with towns to, mm-hmm. um, to install EV chargers in various yep. places. Um, yeah. And we've recently installed a number of EV chargers in the towns of Reading and Wilmington. And we're working on getting chargers installed in North Reading and, and Linfield as well. So speaking of those chargers, can you give the example? Um, in Reading, we have the new DC fast charger, which is more powerful than your standard level two. So for that, obviously you had to do like, there's like a panel box next to it. So can you just kind of talk us through that process? Yeah, Yeah. Um, so the DC fast charger is currently located at the Reading Public Library. Um, It is, I believe our first one on, first DC fast charger on the system. And uh, it requires a lot of it, it charges your car a lot faster, which means it requires much more demand in, in electricity in a shorter period of time. So we had to make plenty of upgrades to our on the poles and the transformer size, and we there were plenty of other facets behind the scene that we had to mm-hmm. had to put in place to supply that fast charger with reliable power. Um, it it definitely definitely is a it definitely sucks a lot of power in a very <laughs> short amount of time. So sure can. Um, but it's just some some of the things that they're just going these these chargers are just going to come up more frequently. Yeah. And we're as a team, right? From the engineering perspective, we're supportive. We're thinking about all those. You know, we we've got. Estimates in terms of number of chargers and number of EVs, et cetera. So, and those are all part of our not just the short-term I- issue of 
how do I support a customer with a low data sheet as a starting point? But how do we think about the network longer term? So that's great. And the other thing that um, you know uh, our listeners have heard um, is this concept of in-territory generation, and solar is one of them, right? Solar on either industrial buildings or commercial buildings or residential buildings. So, you know, from an engineering perspective, just talk about some of the things that you guys think about from uh, from solar installation and you know, just partly, partly to educate our customers, things that, that we look at so that when we ask questions, we're doing it from the perspective of reliable, low-cost, non-carbon service. Yeah, so for, for most of the solar panel installations so far, they've been residential. Um, primarily, yeah. Primarily. Primarily. Uh, but we are, I believe, yourself uh, we, we've been trying to look for places to put bigger solar fields or solar yeah. systems in yep. so that we can generate our own power to to, to essentially uh, decrease the demand on from our substations um, which greatly helps the peak um, but just to go back to residential systems yeah we, we most of those applications hit the Integrated Resources Department at yep. RMLD, and uh, it gets assigned an engineer to overlook the technical specifications of the system. Um, we we basically look over the one line, uh, the, the, the connection diagram yeah, exactly. to, to make sure that it's wired correctly. And because that system is actually yeah. feeding power back into the network, as opposed to being one way, We're now a bidirectional network, right? Correct, correct. So mm-hmm. we have to make sure that. Key components are in place, like the AC disconnect is there. Um, safety. For, from a safety aspect. and uh, So we're basically overlooking the design of the, of the system. We don't physically do any of the wiring of the solar panels. That's We leave that to the customer, yep. the, customer, and customer yep. installer. But we will, uh, before the bi-directional meter gets installed, we do inspect the system before giving that approval to make sure all the, those key components are actually wired in place. Yeah. And, of course, the electrical inspector also has a role in that whole process as well as you guys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, two, two other topics on that, you know, kind of as we wrap up this session. You know, one of them is, you know, you guys, are, you guys design the network, right, and you specify the network, et cetera. But um, you know, there's a group of, of uh, linemen and, technicians, et cetera, that actually do a lot of the work. So just talk a little bit between the, the grid assets, we call it the grid assets team, the meter team, and the uh, line team, you know, uh, the, how you work with the engineers and the linemen and the meter team to make all this stuff happen because yeah. um, it takes hands and feet to get this stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. As engineers, our, we work very closely with the linemen to ensure yeah. all the projects are built up to industry standards. Um, and the engineers will often come out with the entire design and present it present the whole project uh, as a whole to the line foreman for input, yep, good. Uh, at which point we would discuss and accommodate any insights that they may have and any, or, or any issues that may yep. arise. And, Team effort. Yeah. Yep, and move the project forward accordingly. Um, but oftentimes field conditions may call for a change in the design at one or more pole locations, yep. and the lineman will raise these concerns with the project engineer. Such as myself, yeah. uh, these concerns these concerns can be suggestions of a safer approach on how to do something, or uh, any unforeseen physical obstacles that may arise, or or from a constructability standpoint. Yeah. 
so these decisions and approvals on changes to the original design will ultimately fall under the project engineer. Um, but as the engineer, we must be able to comprehend and understand many of the little intricate details and reasoning behind the project process and be able to pivot to a better option from a constructability standpoint uh, when they do arise. So it's more than just lines on a piece of paper or oh, yeah. a CAD drawing. So you guys have a lot of time in the field, right? You, I mean, you guys are in the field, in front of the computer, right? talking to customers, talking to vendors, talking to purchasing, right? Yeah. Working with the, the IRD team as well, so. Yeah, we definitely rely on each other. Yeah, it's a team a effort. Yeah, it's pretty clear it's a team effort. Hey, last question before we get to, uh, you know, Julie's going to bring us up with the uh, uh, a customer question. But, um, you know, a lot of our services, what we call overhead, so poles and lines, um, transformers on poles, um, <clears throat> tree trimming becomes a real important issue. And we talk about this on occasion. But, uh, you know, just talk a little bit from the homeowner's perspective, you know, what, What's their role and what's our role in terms of thinking about keeping and the importance, right? You maybe take a step, you know, why is it important to keep trees from growing on lines? And then, you know, just quick comment about roles and responsibilities. Just short, quick answer. But why is it important and what does the customer need to expect? Sure. Um, so trees have, have this just this year alone, trees uh, have caused 36 service interruptions by themselves for the year 2023. So... Year to date. Yep, year to date. Uh, so they are actually the leading cause of outages, um, which is why we we are we have a tree trimming program in place where we see where there's overgrowth of, of trees into our lines. Um, trees and, grow. Yeah, right. and we have to keep. And they don't really know what's in their way, so. Exactly, they, and they, I don't think they care. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so we definitely stay on top of that to trim out away yep. from our lines and we, and essentially try to avoid them falling into our lines as best for as reliability, we can. right? Exactly. For everybody on the, I mean, not just in, you know, the house that the tree happens to be in front of, but for everybody. Good right. point. So so customers should keep an eye on it, right? And if they see an issue, they should reach out either to ourselves or the town or I mean, you know, kind of just in a sentence, what should they how should they what role do they play? So if you have a tree concern, uh, if it's something close to your service or close to, or it's overgrowing on a pole, definitely reach out to the Reading Light Control Center Good. and they, they will document it and they will find one of the engineers to take a look take at it. Take a look it. at it. Good. Uh, so. well, we covered a lot of ground. Johnny, thank you for spending time with us on our, uh, on our podcast series, um, Current Insights. Julie, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah. Quest question of the week. So the question of the week was actually about homeowner responsibility in terms of um, tree trimming, but there was a second part to that that we didn't address. So thank you to our anonymous customer who asked about tree trimming. So in terms of they ask, how do you prioritize? So when you're setting a schedule for tree trimming, how do you prioritize some trees over other trees? Jenny, I'll take that one. I think. At the end 